Soon is the Lunar New Year, one of the biggest traditional holidays in Korea. Last year I did an episode about stories from the Korean past, more specifically Joseon Dynasty for the occasion of Lunar New Year's Day. If you missed it, the link's in the description and at the corner of the screen. So this year, I decided to look back to the past again, but further, further back in the history, and dig out some of the mythologies from ancient Korea, specifically about Korean goddesses. Mythology in Korea is somewhat fragmented. The last Joseon dynasty, which lasted for 500 years, was very strongly based on Confucius ideology, and religions, superstitions, and mythology were largely deemed unimportant, certainly not suitable to be recorded and discussed among the elite and educated part of the society. So lots of legends, tales, and myths were rarely recorded in an academic manner, and barely survived through word of mouth or as localized tales. When myth in general was not given much respect, it goes without saying the goddess figures were especially erased and distorted in the male-dominated and patriarchal society. It is really thanks to the academic researches, feminism movement, and diverse pop cultures in the 20th century that brought back these goddess figures. For today's episode, I picked three of such Korean goddesses. It'll be slightly different kind of episode of half explanation and half fairy tale like stories, but if you have general interest in mythology, you may enjoy this. As always, handpicked, translated, and narrated by host, Anthony. Every Korean knows the founding myth of the first Korean nation, that a bear turned into a human woman and married a god, and that their son, Dangun, became the founding father of the first nation on the land. We learn it in school and what the myth might tell us about the ancient society. But before Dangun and the founding myth, there's also a creation myth. The center figure of it is, surprisingly, a goddess. She's a giant with an enormous strength, she's rough, spontaneous, not quite warm and motherly as modern people would expect from a mother-of-all-humanity figure. Her name is Mago. Mago myth has been largely forgotten. Stories about her only remains as various little anecdotes, region to region. But if you sum up all these bits and pieces, we start to see a vague face of the goddess. According to the local myth in Jeju Island, Mago was so huge that when she slept, she used Halasan, the volcanic mountain in the middle of the island, as her pillow, and then her feet reached Kwantal Island, 27 kilometers north of Jeju Island. Her strength was even greater than her size, but she seemed to have been pretty oblivious of her own power. Her loud snoring sleep separated the chaotic primeval Mars into heaven and earth, and her arms stretching out as she woke up stirred up the sky, creating the sun and the moon. A casual scratch on the ground created a new land and sea, 
A carefree pissing broke giant rocks and created new rivers. Let's listen to some of such local folklores scattered around the country. That stone wall was built by Mago. As she carried big rocks in a skirt to build it, some dirt and pebbles spilt over on the way, and the local hills were created that way. Granny Mago and Grandpa Mago had a bet of who built the stone wall first, while Grandpa Mago was carefully chipping stones for a perfect fit. Grandma Mago just threw stones haphazardly to a pile. Grandpa Mago couldn't stop laughing for her ridiculous practice, but meanwhile Grandma Mago could finish her wall first. And win the bet. You see those giant rocks in the mountain? That's what Margo shitted out back in the days. <laughs> Margo once lost a silver ring. She dug all around to find it, and all the valleys in the world were created that way. Once upon a time, this area always suffered heavy typhoons. So Margo hooked up mountains in a different region with a rope and dragged up here to block typhoon. But the rope snapped, and that's why that mountain is left standing in the middle of nowhere. The oldest legend record mentioning Margo is from fifth century, and it tells the story of how she became the mother of the humanity. Margo gave birth to two daughters without having a man involved, and the three women together created the world as we know it. The daughters also gave birth to their children without a man, one of whom was a son. Since then, their descendants married and reproduced among each other. Initially, they lived on earthly milk, but as the population grew, they ran short of it and had to turn to fruit and other vegetations. And with that, they lost their original godly power and longevity. The myth of Mago has been lost in the subsequent years. Scholars speculate that it was because the idea of such a tough, rough, independent, and carefree woman as the mother of all humanity didn't sit well in the ideology of later male-dominated patriarchal and Confucius society. In some myths, we can literally see Margot giving away to the patriarchy. In one more epic version, she is in war with Tangun, the said founder of the first Korean nation. Margo's army is overwhelmed by Tangun's force and goes into hiding. When Margo learns how humanely Tangun treated the captured soldiers of hers, she accepts the moral superiority of Tangun and surrenders herself. Yet in other stories, one so great and nonchalant Margo is further reduced and corrupted. In one version, she is so vain and walks into the sea to prove how big she is, and drowns. In other versions, she is a full-blown evil that brings plague and havoc to people, until killed by a man so virtuous that she could not fight back. 
No wonder in some regions the name Mago itself was corrupted down to Mania, a witch. Mago is enjoying a bit of a revival from mid-2000s with the rise of feminist movement in Korea. Mago myth became the alternative origin story to male and virtue-based Tangun myth. And by now, it's not uncommon her name and image appearing in various pop cultures, especially in web cartoons. Granny Samshin has been a very familiar name for ordinary Koreans for a long time. She is the goddess in charge of conception, birth, and the well-being of babies, and considering how risky pregnancy and giving birth for the most part of human history were, it is natural that the presence and importance of Granny Samshins were felt closer to people's heart than any other mythical deities. Up until several generations ago, it was a common practice among common men and especially women, as well as professional shamans, to pray and pay offerings to Granny Samshin. But while her name remains close and dear, there are actually no definitive myth or the narrative as what her origin is and what she is. To start with, scholars seems to fail to agree what her name Samshin is supposed to mean. Sam could of course mean number three, symbolically the most important number in many cultures. But others say it's from the ancient word meaning gestation. And yet some say it's from the word sam, meaning life. There's equally diverse theories about her origin. Some say Mago, the creation goddess, and her two daughters were the first samshin, literally meaning three gods. In more Zen-influenced worldview, Granny Samshin is sometimes somewhat downgraded to a mere minister under the Jade King, or in more Buddhism-influenced story, a girl of highborn is seduced by a deity and gives birth to triplets. When the children grow and reunite with their father, their mother is also raised to become goddess Samshin. Whatever her origin is, Granny Samshin still remains one of the most familiar and favorable of the traditional deities, and her reference and presence can often be found in various pop culture to this day. Now, let's look at the best-known origin myth of Granny Samshin from Jeju Island. The god of the East Sea and his wife prayed for a long time for a child, when they finally got a daughter, they cared and adored her too much that she turned out a total spoiled brat. Already from the early age, she would slap her mom's bosom, pulled her dad's beard, ruined the harvest of the grain field, created family feud, and even insulted ancestors. Her father, in the end, had it enough and decided to kill his only daughter. But her mother pleaded to save her life and instead vanish her out of the sea. Now locked up in a box and ready to be sent off to the surface of the sea, young sea princess hung on to mother's hand and pleaded, 
But what am I to do on land among common humans? I hear there's yet no Samshin, the goddess of conception and birth. You could play that role, her mother said. But I don't know anything about it, daughter protested. Her mom quickly explained the great mystery of conception, but before she could explain the birth, the angry father ordered the box to be shoot up. The box floated in the wave for nine years before it finally landed ashore. People were surprised with the content in the box. The sea princess was now a beautiful woman of eighteen. Are you a human or a ghost? People shouted. Neither. I'm the daughter of the god of the East Sea. I'm here to overlook the birth of you people, Princess said. A man among the crowd jumped in. I'm fifty now and still have no children. Can you then help me? The princess agreed and indeed helped his wife to conceive a child. Month by month, the pregnant woman's belly grew, but princess didn't know how to make her give a birth. And while she hesitated, poor wife's belly grew impossibly big into twelfth month. In the end, desperate princess cut the woman's side open to take the baby out, but it only killed both the poor woman and the baby. Princess panicked and ran away to the seashore and cried. Meanwhile, the husband of the dead woman was devastated and outraged. He went up to a temple and cried and pleaded his case towards the Jade King. His desperate prayer finally reached Jade King's ear, and he decided to appoint a proper Samshin to be in charge of conceiving birth. The princess of small heavenly kingdom was recommended for the position, and she was sent to the world. The heavenly princess walked along the shore and ran into a young woman crying there. Why are you crying so sadly? Heavenly princess asked. I'm the daughter of a god of East Sea and came to the world as Samshin. But ended up killing a woman because I don't know how to make a birth," Sea Princess said. "Oh, but my dear, I'm appointed as Samshin by Jade King." At Heavenly Princess's reply, Sea Princess jumped up and grabbed her by her hair, swearing harshly. It took some time for Heavenly Princess to calm and persuade the Sea Princess that let Jade King be their judge. Jade King gave a seed to each princess and told them that he would make his decision based on what they managed to yield from their seed. Sea Princess seed resulted in a spindly plant with a single withered flower. While Heavenly Princess's seed grew into a giant bush with forty-five thousand six hundred branches with numerous flowers, you are indeed suitable to overlook the life and birth," Jade King said to Heavenly Princess. "And you," he said to Sea Princess, 
would better suit to overlook the dead in the underworld. Vexed sea princess broke a flower off from heavenly princess's plant, and cursed under her breath. Babies born under your care shall suffer on their hundredth day all sorts of troubles and illness. It was too great a threat to brush off, and heavenly princess appeased her. Don't be like that, sister. I'll make sure the parents of the baby to dedicate food and offerings in your honor on its hundredth day. And so, people still celebrate a baby's hundredth day in the world to appease to the sea princess. Princess Pari is the goddess who connects the life and underworld and guides wandering souls to the underworld. And in that sense, she is considered as the first shaman and the mother of all shamans. In some instances, she was also treated as the guardian deity of medicine as she revived the dead back to life. While many other ancient myths were lost, fragmented, or corrupted, the saga of Princess Pari could stay relatively intact as a coherent narrative because it was handed down as a ritual chant from one generation of shamans to the next. The saga of Princess Pari is basically in a form of an adventure epic akin to that of the archetypal Odyssey. There are about 20 different versions recorded, but basic premise and structure remains the same, and at the core is always the idea of forgiveness, selfless sacrifice, and courage. I think that's the reason why Princess Pari has become one of the most popular mythical characters in contemporary pop cultures in Korea. Now, let's follow the journey of Princess Pari. Once upon a time, there was a land named Pulaguk, ruled by a young king named Ogudewang. At seventeen, he searched far and wide to find his queen and found Kiltebuin. He fell hard for her and hurried the wedding, against the advice to wait another year for the best lucky timing. Was it a curse for the impatient king? The loving couple was childless for years. They prayed earnestly, and finally the queen gave a birth to a daughter. The king was delighted and named the first child Princess Moon. Soon another daughter followed, and the king named her Princess Star. But King's joy didn't last when he got six daughters when he longed for a prince to inherit the crown. When the queen announced her seventh pregnancy and that she had a most auspicious conception dream of blue and yellow dragons too, the king expected this time it must be a crown prince. But the seventh child was again a daughter. This route an angry king ordered the baby to be thrown away in the sea. Queen held her newborn in her arms and lamented, Ah, heartless heaven, ah, heartless king, 
how could I abandon my own child? But there wasn't much she could do. She named the poor baby Pari, meaning abandoned, wrote down the name and birth date on a shirt, put her in a jade box, and saw her off to the waves of the sea. Over the days, the box bobbed around in the wild sea, but managed to keep afloat, and finally arrived at the shore of a remote corner. The baby was found by an old, childless couple and was raised as their own. But the clever girl knew the old couple were not her parents. She asked them who her real parents were. Your dad is the heaven and mom is the earth, the old man said. But it can't be. How could the heaven and earth have a human child? Little Pari said. Well, actually, the giant bamboo in the field is your dad, and the big tree in the mountain is your mom, the old woman said. That's impossible. How could trees have a human child like me? In the end, the old couple had to tell her everything and showed her the jade box and the old baby shirt. Pari buried her face in the old shirt and lamented her tragic fate. Abandoned as a newborn, abandoned in the waves, so she was named abandoned. Poor, poor Pari. Meanwhile, her father, the king, lost energy day by day. And in the end, became bedridden. They called in the most reputable doctors to cure him, but all was in vain. One day, an old monk visited the court for a donation and talked to the queen. King is punished for abandoning the seventh princess. Why don't you find and bring her back? The monk said. Yes. Is my party still alive? Queen said. In the great east mountain in the underworld is a spring. The water from that spring is the only cure for the king. And the seventh princess is the only one who can get it, Monk said. Queen summoned her ministers and officers, all hundred of them, and asked if any of them would undertake the task to the underworld to save the king. But nobody stepped out. She turned to her six princesses too, but it was only natural that no living person would willingly visit the underworld. In the end, a valet volunteered to look for the lost seventh princess instead. He searched high and low along the coast of the country, and by heaven's grace, found Princess Pari. The baby shirt with her name and birth date on was the undeniable proof of her royal birth. Pari came to the court to finally reunite with her parents, but her father was like a skeleton, and her mother was like a withered flower. For his old sick father's tears, begging for her forgiveness, Pari decided to take up the grave task to venture down the underworld and find a magical spring that would save her father's life.
so she disguised herself as a man and went on the journey. But how would she find the way to the underworld? She fell and stumbled numerous times, and her face and hands were all scratched. When she reached the cold, barren land, she found an old man ploughing through the dusty field. Please, sir, where could I find a way down to the underworld? The old man didn't even give a look at Paddy. She followed him around, asking the same question, and the man outbursted. Can't you see I'm busy? I must plough the field. Now piss off. I'm sorry, sir. I can give you a hand. As soon as he heard that, the old man handed over the plough to Paddy and went to take a nap under the tree. Paddy had never ploughed a field before, and she didn't know how to control the stubborn cows. But soon, a gust of wind blew in a rainbow cloud from the north, and from it jumped out a hundred weird beasts. They hopped and jumped all around. When the dust finally settled, Paddy realized the vast field was all ploughed up and the beasts were nowhere to be seen. The old man woke up from his nap and was clearly impressed. Aren't you a good boy? See the mountain there? Go over it across the field and then take left turn. Paddy followed the direction, but soon cliffs after cliffs blocked away and she was lost again. Then she ran into a big old woman washing clothes at a stream. Ma'am, where could I find a way to the underworld? Paddy said. Can't you see I'm busy? Look at this pile of clothes to wash. Paddy stepped in without a word to give her hand. Wash black to white and white to black, instructed the old woman. Washing clothes in the freezing cold stream was painful. Paddy managed to make black washing white by washing it many, many times, but white wouldn't turn to black. In the end, she came up with the idea to mix black clay, wild berry and leaves to dye them black. All the while, the old woman fell asleep under a tree without a care in the world, despite numerous lice crawling all around her head. Paddy sat next to her and patiently killed them one by one. In the end, the old woman said, Aren't you a good boy? Go round that mountain and climb twelve hills. You will reach a dock, get a boat, and cross the water. She also gave her a branch with blossoms of three colors and a golden bell that they might come useful when in trouble. Paddy didn't know it, but this big old lady was none other than goddess Margot herself. So Paddy continued away over twelve hills, each haunted by various resentful ghosts. They all cried and blocked away, 
that nothing could stop Patty. And indeed, she reached a dock at the vast yellow water. It was Huangchen, the river border between the world of the living and the world of the dead. At the dock was a boat, but guards at the dock wouldn't let her in. Is no place for a living person. Go away. Until, they noticed the flower branch Pari was holding. They discussed something among themselves and finally let her on the boat. Because the branch was the token of half deities who could pass across to both worlds. Pari didn't know how long she sailed on the boat through the thick fog. When it finally reached the shore, she was met with iron bars with sharp spikes blocking a way forward. She shook the flower branches over them and they disappeared, but it also led free of thousands of sinned and lost souls, each in terrible shapes. Some without an eye, some without an arm, some without a head. They all came up to Pari asking for help. She took pity of the poor souls and earnestly prayed for their peace. And in the end, the tortured souls flew over to somewhere. Pari carried on until she met the point where the stream split it to three. The one going down to hell was wrapped in black whirlpool, while the one going to the paradise was calm and in golden hue, and the third one going up to the heaven was sparkling with silvery light. But there was no bridge to cross over. Pari threw the golden bell to the water, then floated up a rainbow over the water, letting Pari cross. And she finally reached the Great East Mountain. The lord of the mountain used to live in the heaven, serving Jade King himself, but was vanished to here for his wrongs. The only way back to his former glory was to marry a human woman and produce three sons. Pari was dressed as a man, but the lord noticed unmistakable feminine features. You must be tired after a long journey. Why don't you have a bath at the hot spring first? He said. The lord peeped from behind a tree and indeed found Pari was a woman. He took her clothes and stepped aside. Pray, your highness, give me back my clothes. Only if you promise to do my favor. Then I'll give you back the clothes and the magic spring water. What is it? Marry me and give me three sons. Pari had no other choice. They got married and had three sons one by one. As soon as the third baby was born, Pari asked about the magic spring. Her husband took her deep into the mountain and pushed a big rock, revealing a narrow crack. Crawl through there and you'll find a spring. And crawl through Pari did. It led her to an open space full of bright light. 
On the ground were flowers in various colors, and from the tip of rough rock formation dripped clear water drop by drop. Paddy patiently filled up a bottle and also collected the flowers in each color. When she came back home, her husband was nowhere to be seen, just her three little sons left alone, crying. <laughs> Dad flew over to heaven, leaving us behind, the oldest one said. So, Paddy alone carried three sons and took the journey back to a dying father. By heaven's grace, the return journey was much shorter. When she finally reached her homeland, she overheard the people talking among themselves outside the wall. Did you hear? The king's funeral is tomorrow. I know. They waited three years after king's death for the youngest princess to return, but couldn't wait any longer. Pari was devastated. She walked all night long carrying three children in her arms and on her back. At the dawn she reached the court and met by the royal funeral march. Pari threw herself to the coffin. Father, your little princess Pari is finally here with the magic spring water. Let me see him. Alas. In the coffin were nothing more than scattered bones of her father. Pari took the blue flower she was carrying and brushed it over the bones. Then the bones clicked and shaped into their place. Then yellow flower created a flash back on the bones and red flower prompted to blood run through them. Lastly, Pari dropped the magic water in his mouth, which made him to take a big breath in. The king was alive again. Everybody rejoiced to get their king, husband and father back, and the king himself too, to get his lost daughter and three grandsons back. Pari didn't want any glory though. Having become the only living person who reached the underworld, she took the role of guiding souls down to the underworld and eventually became the goddess for the dead. Hi, it's Anthony here and thank you very much for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I doubt many people would find it so interesting because it's heavily culture-specific and have little to do with our modern life. But I do enjoy good bits of Greek myth or stories from the Old Testament occasionally because beyond amusing stories themselves, they do reflect the real social dynamic of the given time. I hope you did too with these old myths from ancient Korea. If there's some interesting mythical figures from your culture, do drop me their names in the comment. It'll be interesting to make little research on them too. If you enjoyed my work, please give it a like and comment, and please consider subscribing to my channel. Maybe I'm doing something wrong, but my channel is growing ever so slowly, and each and every comment and sub means a lot to me. I wish you a happy Luna New Year. Until next week, stay safe.
and take care.